listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm here today with Laura Tucker. And Laura and I um, are about to have a really amazing conversation about the self-help industry, about the search for your own inner guru instead of looking outside of yourself, and really our own personal um let's say love-hate experience with self-help and and the coaching industry. And you might be thinking, well, that's really weird, Giovanna. Like, why would you be doing a show that is highlighting the ugly in your industry? And the reason I'm doing it is because I think there's a real need for it. One of the things that I've struggled with the whole time I've been a coach is this love-hate relationship with self-help. I've been in the self-help industry for over 20 two, maybe three years. (laughs) I'm kind of aging myself. I started really young. Um, And there's been a lot of beautiful teachers and mentors and guides that have helped me along my path that have empowered me to be my own um, guru, right? My own um, teacher. And then there have been others um, where, you know, my power was seemingly I'm going to say taken from me, but really the responsibility is with me. I gave my power, right? I gave my power over to some of these teachers and mentors and people. And then there's this thing that I hear constantly with either like new clients that come to speak to me or people that have had ugly experiences around the the whole sales process and the shaming people for not being ready to buy or All of this has left such a funky, ugly taste in my mouth. And, you know, I've been in this industry for a while now, a really long time. And going back to that question of like, well, why would you be doing a show like this if this is your industry? Because I think it's really, really important that we highlight the good and that we also talk about the ugly, right? And every industry has this, right? Every industry has the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Whether you're in medicine, whether you're in self-help, whether you're a teacher, like every the priesthood. Hello, people, right? We have, we have um, elements of, of, of good and evil, let's say, of uh, you know, helpful and not helpful everywhere we go. And to turn a blind eye, to not talk about it, um, is for me really inauthentic. And so I realized that I've been really open and transparent about this when I talk to people like in private or even on the stage or even you know, to my clients but I haven't yet done a podcast about this. I haven't yet talked about this um, love-hate that I have and this conflict I've had really from the beginning around how self-help is sold. So this podcast today um, is dedicated to any and all of you who have in their heart of hearts been looking for and seeking help and guidance and have unfortunately Um, due to lack of information or just even your own inner wounding or or what was going on for you at the time, 
were taken advantage of or um, unwittingly gave away your power or were made to feel bad or shameful for you know, not buying a coaching package because somehow that meant you were sabotaging yourself or you weren't living up to your potential. You know, you didn't go and take out a second mortgage and drain the coffers of your savings account to repeatedly do course after course with the promise that it was going to fix something. And all it was doing was filling the wallet of the person that was selling the course. And I want to dedicate this to you. Um, as much as I'm in this industry, I've also, I've also been that person, right? I've also been that person who gave away my power, wanted something outside of myself to, to fix me or to fix something. Um, and I've paid a lot of money and I've invested a lot. That's been amazing where I've received amazing return on my investment because I was working with really genuine, amazing people. And then there's the dark side. And it's really important to highlight that because my mission with this show is that you take back your power, whether you're working with someone amazing and authentic or not, even that amazing, authentic person. Um, it's, it's about you having your own power. It's about you acknowledging that no one else has the power to heal you, right? Um, I have called and people call me and I call myself a healer because I think part of my mission here is to help people heal, but I don't heal you because I've got some kind of divine touch from God and I'm going to smack you on the forehead and heal you. I heal you because I, I guide you and I help you along the way on your healing journey really to heal yourself. And that's the power I want to give to you. So um, it's a longer episode than we've done before, um, but I really hope that you get so much uh, insight from hearing this amazing guest story. So I'm going to read a little bit about her to you before we dive in. Laura Tucker is a leadership coach, a transformational speaker, and the host of Free Your Inner Guru podcast. Is that not like an amazing title? As a survivor of the fatal 2009 Sedona Sweat Lodge, Laura is committed to transforming the self-help industry and to ensure that self-help is conducted in a truly safe and empowering way. Laura has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs and business leaders navigate the challenge of leadership while remaining true to their authentic values. Audiences leave her talks feeling empowered, resilient, and connected to their inner wisdom. And I just love that because this is why we're here. This is what it's all about. You may have recognized her or you will recognize Laura from the Enlighten Us uh, Netflix uh, movie, a CNN film that documents uh, the self-help industry. She has also appeared in the Sean, I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sorry, Sean, the Sean Prolux uh, show on Sirius uh, XM and CNN Newsroom with Brooke Baldwin. Free Your Inner Guru episodes are released uh, weekly, and you can find her on iTunes and all the places that are wonderful for podcasts, including Google Podcast. But for us, she's here today. She's here today on the show. And um, I'm just, this conversation was so profound for me. It was such an honor to have her on the show. I hope that you guys uh, enjoy this show and get as much out of it um, as I did personally, uh, interviewing her and, and hearing her story. Um, and that you, you go out and you take the time to educate yourself and to empower yourself and to make amazing choices because there are amazing people out there that can help you. And the onus, um, 
the onus is really on us learning our own personal self-awareness, right? And to um, sharpening that spidey sense and that intuition. And for those of you that have had horrible negative experiences, I'm there with you. Um, this episode is for you. And um, there's nothing good about taking advantage of someone's pain, nothing. And I wish you so much love and healing and recovery. So this episode's for you guys. Let's dive in and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises, the video um, or the YouTube channel version, right? I'm getting used to this, Laura. I've just recently changed this format to be on YouTube and to, so people can see us, right? For the last four years, my podcast has been audio only. So this is exciting because you're one of my first few guests doing this. That is exciting. Yeah. So welcome everybody back to my home, to Laura's home. And we're going to be here chatting with you today. Um, this is a topic that is, it might be like, what's that thing they put online? The trigger warning thing that they put on everything now, right? This might trigger some people because the mm -hmm. topic today, um, it's really near and dear to both of our hearts. And you're going to hear a more personal story from Laura in a minute. But what I want to talk about today, and it's the reason why I was attracted to having Laura on the show. Because Laura's whole thing is to free your inner guru, right? And beyond how that sounds, which is beautiful, and yeah, I want some of that, and it's a great, Laura, it's a great catchy phrase, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a depth in that, and there's something that really needs to be addressed there. So I'm going to just per share transparently first is that I've had a love-hate relationship with my industry, the self-help and coaching industry for years. And part of that is because there's a lot of beautiful people helping people with good intentions, right, Laura? Yes. And then there's people that are not. And what we're doing inadvertently and sometimes on purpose is we're taking people's power away. So Laura, I want to welcome you to the show because you have not only a very compelling personal story, but this is what you do now. You actually teach people to not look outside of themselves for the answers. And some people might be watching this and saying, well, you two women are a bunch of hypocrites because you're coaches and people pay you and blah, blah, blah. Yes, they do. And <laughs> what we do is very different, right? Um, and there's a lot of beautiful colleagues out there of mine who are doing the exact same thing. They're heartfelt. They want to help. And there's some sketchy underbelly that I think makes all of us other people look not so great. Mm-hmm. And my biggest concern is that um, even the most well-intentioned people that we're, what we're doing is we're teaching people to not trust their own intuition and to not really look for their own inner guru. So without further ado, Laura Tucker, welcome to She Rises. I'm, I'm honored to have you on here to have just first met you because you're like, I feel like you're a soul sister already. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, the serendipity is amazing because we have a common friend who said months and months ago, you two need to meet. Yeah. And then we did the Facebook message thing. And then, you know, it just, one thing led to another. And I, I recall so specifically that we finally connected over email while I was in Sedona in October. And then there was just so much going on in my world that it was, you had to follow up with me. Yeah. To get me 
get my attention, which is not typical. I was going to say, you busy, girl. <laughs> I, it's, been, it's been crazy. And it's been the reason that I think it's relevant to this conversation is un, unknown to you. Um, at that time, I was in Sedona, Arizona, and I was there with a very, very close, close friend of mine. And we were having a, um, a beautiful time there to commemorate a 10-year anniversary on what turns out to be a cautionary tale about the self-help industry. Yeah, yeah. So here we are a few months later, having finally connected in person a couple of days ago. And I'm just so happy to be here and to, and, and to share the time and space with you and the She Rises listeners, but also to know that there are people out there who have the same concerns that I do and that they are, they're very well founded. And, and even being able to identify the concern and, and understand when something isn't feeling right in any context where there's, you know, a leader or a guru or a coach or a guide or a teacher, anyone, um, we have to understand the roles that we fall into when we're in that learning or client or um, follower position. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to add to what you said, it's like, I, the theme of your show and the work that you do is why I was like, yes, we're having this conversation. And then just recent, like literally before we hit record, I'm, I learned even deeper why this is such a mission for you. And it's so important. And I, I'm still like head to toe goosebumps because you know, I, I, I teach women how to trust and rely on their own intuition when it comes to, you know, interpersonal relationships and romantic love. And I have my own cautionary, awful, abusive relationship story to tell. And that's one thing. And you now have experienced something that really has rocked your world. So would you share, because everyone's like, just say the thing already. Yeah, just get it out, right? Please <laughs> right. get on with it. We're getting to it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, would you share what you feel comfortable sharing sure. about your experience and what's led you to this mission of self-care, trusting your intuition and your inner guru? Yeah, sure. In fact, it's, it's maybe even useful to, to say when we got on uh, our, for our pre-talk, Giovanna asked me, I went to your website and holy smokes, Netflix, Tribeca, CNN, how did that happen? Yeah. And I had to, I always have to take a step back because it happened because of a tragedy. Mm. And, and so to give you a little bit of a backdrop on, on why this is informs a conversation about the coaching and the, and the self-help industry is that. It was 2008 when I first went on what I can only describe as my, my self-help journey, personal development journey. It turned into a spiritual journey, but it was the recession, the, what became known as the Great Recession. At the time, I was a consultant in the automotive industry, and I had my own business. I was living in, uh, in Kelowna, British Columbia. I had clients all through Vancouver and, and the lower mainland of BC. And a friend of mine noticed that I was struggling. And I was struggling because I was, I, different areas of my life were not congruent. I was having wonderful success on the financial and, and, and business front. I was very, very, very strong in business. 
and, and guiding people in the business capacity. And yet I was almost serial dating one unsuitable partner at a time. And I know that's, you know, part of the, like you're nodding. I know that's part of your, your I'm story. nodding because you sound like all of my clients. I'm like, I wish I knew you then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I wish I knew you, but here we are now. And so I wasn't, so I was out there really trying hard and, and the results that they were just, let's just say progressively unavailable, progressively disrespectful treatment. And my confidence was flagging. And, and, and then on the same time, it was the great recession. So things in the auto world slowed down and, and things that had been relatively easy became very difficult. And I was like, I need to do something here. So my friend noticed that I was, that I was struggling. She handed me a copy of the DVD of The Secret, which at that point, you know, it really hit its zenith in 2007, 2008. And if someone listening doesn't know what The Secret is, it's a DVD, then it became a book. And it was a, a, a collection or a group of quote unquote transformational leaders, coaches, guides, spiritual people who um, got together for one of their their meetings and 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 a, a filmmaker came and made a, a a movie of them all speaking about what their messages were and put it together and it's all based on the law of attraction which then became popularized um, and and sort of I now without I'm not being disrespectful to it but I now look at it as almost like early spirituality 101 for the masses it yeah. was well packaged, well marketed, and I mean, people were passing it to each other. It was the the teachers from The Secret were on Oprah Winfrey. They, they it became, was a revelation at the time. It yeah. really was, and it mainstream. It, it brought into you know, I guess, the fringe of mainstream, but it really shifted popular culture. Yeah, and uh, and so I was hungry. I was seeking. In my past, I had a, 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 a history of needing to be on antidepressants in order to um, survive, not thrive, but survive in a sales culture when I was working in corporate America. And I just wasn't willing to go back to that. I needed to find an alternate solution. So after a couple of failed local attempts to um, connect in any kind of meaningful or resonant way with, with these some of these teachers, I got frustrated and inspired, went out on the internet and found that one of the, the teachers who I thought looked pretty cool from and sounded, you know, in the media and, and attention, like he had a lot to offer. And I mean, more specifically, had a lot to offer me. Um, his name's James Arthur Ray. So I booked and I went down to California, to Oakland. And it was great because I got to combine all the things that I loved personal development, going on to California, photography, <laughs> exploring. And I went, and that was the very beginning of a journey. It was an 18 month journey. And I took every single one of his workshops and I wouldn't have taken them if there wasn't a ton of value there for me. And, uh, but things took a very dramatic turn. And uh, we were at a, uh, a retreat in Sedona, Arizona in October, 2009. It was a five day retreat called spiritual warrior where it was different from all the other events. It wasn't, you know, in a big hotel with a stage and, and, you know, the, the sort of 
performance aspect of these events and you're smiling because you, you've gone to events like this, I'm sure. <laughs> I've been to date with Destiny with Tony Robbins and his, what the first, I don't know, the first one is that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have not, I've had my fill, <laughs> but um, so anyways, um, on the last day of that, of that event on October the 8th, 2009, there was a final group activity and uh, it was a sweat lodge, which is a Native American ceremony. It's intended as a, uh, a, a ritual, a ceremony of rebirth and transformation. Afterwards, we were going to celebrate and then get on airplanes and go home and, and go and be the change we wanted to be in the world or go and create what we wanted to create. All, all very good stuff. But that's not what happened. Um, through the course of the sweat lodge, um, everything that could have go wrong did go wrong. And, uh, and there's no other way to say it, but three of the participants, three of my fellow peers, they, they died. Mm. How, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it, how does that happen? So what you said, like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I've done a sweat lodge. It was, it was run, uh, well, really by two people. One, the organizer of the group of women that I was um, learning with. And then he brought in actually a professional. He brought in like a Native uh, American professional facilitator of such things. And, um, and I've gone through it. And I, and I know if you're not resourced and you're not hydrated and you're not so i know that there's things that can go wrong but share with us your experience because i in my head as soon as you said that to me i'm like what, what happened how how does that happen it's it's a really really tough one to answer in any kind of clear or um concise way so perhaps the best thing for me to to describe was that you know, you're, you're in an environment and, you, and it's a trusted environment. And as things went on, of course, nobody was expecting anything to, tragic to happen. No. At least, you know, from my point of view, you know, it's later that you find out there were issues in previous years. It's later that you find out this, that, and the other thing that the people who were, who were there in, in previous years who would go back in and that all just kind of added to the chaos of the of trying aftermath. to figure it out. Yeah. 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 So the, probably the best thing for me to do is kind of just focus on my own experience. And, and so I was, I was in there and it was very, very, very arduous, mm -hmm. way harder than I would have anticipated. And even with a full, you know, build up from, from James Ray, and he was, he's very um, animated, very dramatic, very, very effective storyteller, very engaging. And I think in looking back, when I was hearing him describe it, I thought he was building up, you know, just building it up to be more, not unlike you would build up a firewalk or a board break or any of the other things that we had done in these breakthrough experiences. And by that point, it had been a year and a half. And in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, you know, Oh, sure. You know, like, sure. You're going to feel like you're going to die. Sure. But he had been saying all week, hydrate, 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 hydrate. And I, I, I took that very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, when we were in the lodge, it became apparent in between 
the rounds that the woman who was beside me was struggling in some way, shape or form. Her behavior was, was different than um, she had coached us a bit on what to do. She'd been there many years. And, uh, and then she, uh, it, it, things were just very strange. And, you know, here you are having your own experience, trying to keep track of what's going on around you, listening to what's going on. Like, and at one point somebody had tried to get out and left and stumbled and, and burned himself. Like it was just a very disjointed time, but I became concerned about this woman. Her name's Liz and I spoke up. So I had the wherewithal at the time to know enough that something wasn't right, that I did use my voice. But after he told me she knew what he, she was doing, and then I checked in with her and she sort of brushed me away. And understanding the extreme conditions that we were in, I just was like, well, all right then. And right. I put You're my trusting head back. that they know what they're doing and she herself has some, you know, some experience yeah. and, and, you know, and so I had that moment where I just put my head back. I was like, all right, well then let's just get through this. And at, when it was all over and it felt like an eternity, um, she couldn't leave under her own steam and I stayed in with her until people came and took her out and then I crawled out. And uh, to on the other side of the lodge, completely unknown to me, two other people had been struggling and had died on and died on the scene. And Liz passed away in the hospital eight days later. Oh my God. What did that do to, to you, to your, you know, your faith? in the process, like we all know things happen and we're, you know, as, as, I mean, as a teacher, I've never walked through anything like that dangerous with my students, but I, I mean, I hosted a retreat in Bali, um, a few years ago and there was a massive earthquake on day one. So yeah, we like to shake things up. So, yeah. so, and, and I, I know as a facilitator, you're like, like my, my, my people, my tribe, like, let me make sure they're okay. Like more than you're okay. What was your experience? How did you then look at the community, this teacher, this, like, what happened to that for you? Well, in the, in, in the immediate aftermath, I, I think looking back, all I can do is say that I was, I must have been in complete and utter shock for weeks, maybe for months. Yeah. Grappling with the disconnect between what was anticipated and what the outcome was. And then at the same time, I mean, it, use your imagination, helicopter, you know, police, ambulance, media, great big long camera lenses, yeah. helicopters circling. Um, one of the challenges of the week had been, um, you know, whether or not you would remove, <laughs> free your hair from your head. So many of us had through the course of the week, um, really, really short buzz cuts. The, it, the optics were horrible and yeah, it was, portrayed, was yeah, yeah, it was. And that was something that, that was something I didn't, I did that with extreme, like I was very deliberate when I finally decided that yes, my hair was going to go. It was because I had that week uncovered some, um, 
pretty powerful core beliefs of mine around appearance and hiding and and uh and it finally it made sense to me that oh this is this is a way to be seen mm. and not be attached to appearance and and that I would move through that but then you're kind of spit out from all of that back into I was back at home in Kelowna my family's from Toronto so I was away from my immediate family and uh and just I, I was just I just bottom line destroyed I think I was a shell of of who I was really am for a very long time and it brought everything into question um and most immediately for me because one of the things I know about myself is I tend towards over responsibility mm. so I I blamed myself oh. you know the would haves could haves should haves and you know and and had to over the years work to come to some kind of an understanding that yes some of that is true but you never have all the information at the time yeah and you know so the most the most salient piece of that is that moment where i knew and others were telling me and i capitulated yeah and yeah. i'm not the capitulating kind like <laughs> That, that was the part that was so messed up was that I am not one to capitulate. And so I really had to look at that. Um, yeah, that sort of, that leads me back to the whole reason I wanted you on this show because we do, and I have some more questions around that, but I just, there's so many questions, but we do that. We are fed by society. And we, I, I talked to you about this before we hit record that our own intuition, our own, that spidey sense, whatever you want to call it, that, I mean, yes, it's a little more trendy now to be like, trust your intuition and trust your gut, but everything we're fed in society is really trying to sell us, no, go outside of yourself, right? I'm guilty of it, uh, you know, buying into it. We all are. And it, that's an interesting point that you knew something was up, but yeah, other people can be convincing. And even when the person themselves is saying, no, I'm good, I'm fine. How are you supposed to override that? Because she was telling you she's fine. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was a lot more subtle that it, and it was way, it was a lot more subtle than that too. So, you know, so it wasn't verbalizing saying, Laura Tucker, leave me alone. Right. You're in that. <laughs> I'm going incubator. to stay here. Yeah. yeah. So so there were, you know, there were subtleties and I, I, and I didn't know there's things I know now about the human body, um, when it's on its way out that I had no context for. So, you know, so that was what I, that was my sort of my gift from that situation was a great big bag of doubt and fear and uncertainty. And, uh, and as life moved forward you know this was the it was a trauma that never really stopped because there was an investigation because there was a trial because and it went on and on and on all even um you know sporadically through the years up until recently you know it, it kind of comes back yeah i'm okay with well because you have a real beautiful insight 
on the other side of the story. And I'm hoping that everyone that was in there had, has found their way through healing, like somehow. I, I just feel for the families of the people that have passed on because you do, we do these things with good intention, right? Like you wanted to better yourself. Do you have any, I mean, I'm sure you've done so much work around this. You're probably going to say no, but at the time, did you have any um, blame at, for the teacher or had you still not learned that there were other incidences and maybe that there was some accountability? Like what was, what was that like? So for me, so what happened was very polarizing. You know, this was um, a business, well, even looking at the self-help businesses today and even maybe even yours and mine, it's all very community-based, Yeah. right? And, and so there was a very, very strong, powerful community of like-minded people. I had never been surrounded by so many people who wanted to have positive impact in the world. And, and it's important. Like I just had a podcast conversation a couple of episodes ago on mine where I was talking to a spiritual teacher and I was asking him about how he looks at, at the responsibilities of his ever growing, very quickly growing um, role as a spiritual leader and guide. And he was very candid with me. And I love asking the questions of people who are who put themselves in that position. And it took me a long time. I didn't go completely black and white. I didn't say James Arthur Ray is evil. I didn't say, you know, he's, he's faultless. I was somewhere in the middle. And it, was, it felt very lonely at the time because of the polarization. And I also, it was a long time for me, but... I eventually got to the stage where I threw, I had to, I threw everything away, including, you know, the saying you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. I had to reject it all um, in order to come back to it in a, in an entirely different way. So it was very, very like for me thinking back, you know, it's been over 10 years now. It feels like it was long, slow and painful, but, you know, the, the sad truth is, or maybe it's a happy truth. Life goes on. You go back into your own life where there's people who need you and clients who need you. And, you know, and I've become a, a believer in you heal when you're ready to heal, not when somebody comes along and says it's time for you to heal. Yeah. What did it, what has it done now for you? Like you've gone through your healing and it, I mean, it looks like it's inspired your work, right? And it's inspired your journey. I mean, again, that's why I was attracted to having you on the show, because I wanted to talk about this very real place where we need to look out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, I guess it, I, can, I can conclude that you learned from the experience to trust yourself and to trust your own inner guru. But I imagine that it took a while for that to, to, to come up. For sure. So I, where, where I, are you now with that? <laughs> yeah. So I think there's something, I think there's something to really important to acknowledge is that your, you know, your, your inner guru, your, your inner wisdom, your sense of self, um, it's not, it's not always simple and easy to access. You know, it, it can be, and there's methods and techniques to get to a, a yes, no. 
Um, but you still have to know what question to ask, <laughs> to yeah. get, you know, to get to that. And sometimes when I'm, you know, if I'm scrolling Instagram or I'm like, and I'm very careful, like if anyone ever goes to any of my accounts, I don't quote anybody else. Mm. I don't put anybody else's words up there. I'm not virtue signaling or quote signaling. And I hope I don't have to eat my words on that. But if there's no, quotes, interesting. Yeah. There words that have been said on my podcast, because yeah. I think it's more important for me to find my own words, even if it's an idea that's been said over and over and over and over again. And uh, because that strengthens my inner voice. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so good. Yeah. Right. Because we need God. And this is where as coaches, we, we're not, I don't want to ever negate the importance of having a massive support team. You know, when I came back to my home in, uh, in after um, Spiritual Warrior, through what I can only describe as part good, ho- good fortune and part strong commitment to taking care of myself, I had a whole team of people, everybody from a chiropractor to a massage therapist to acupuncturist to energy workers to Reiki healers to like they were already in place. I didn't have to go looking for that because I'm, I'm a seeker. I, I explore. Yeah. I, and I was very, very fortunate that in the relatively small city that it was the quality of the people and the services. And they were, they were my, oh, they had my back and yeah. helped me to move a lot of the energy out of my body. But for me, Giovanna, as weird as it sounds like I was never an athlete I am a bookish I mean, look behind me what's behind me <laughs> I know horse trophies <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> tons of books there were twice as many last year and I had to purge them but um but for me it all started in the body hmm. um and and it started with something as arduous and endurance as, as long distance running like I had to do something to move the energy and because my mind would just go. You know, I would wake up every morning and I would promise myself that in 10 years, it'll be different. And now looking back 10 years from now, I I realized that was, that was my future me speaking to myself and just get out of bed. That, that whatever this is now, it will be maybe not better, but it will be different. It won't always be this. And, and this fierce commitment to peeling back the layers. Did you ever question in that time of recovering from this trauma? Did you ever question your yourself? Did you question your intuition? I know there was, you said there was a lot of self blame and there was a lot of why didn't I, or whatever, you know, that's that survivor's kind of guilt type of thing. Mm did you question that your, yourself, your intuition, your instincts, and how did you get back to trusting that again? The, what comes up for me in response to that is practice. Yeah. I really, I had to put it into practice and I won't even say that in this case, practice makes perfect. This is an, <laughs> it's an ongoing journey. Like yeah. practice makes better. The, the thing is to practice. Yeah. It builds the muscle. It, it really, really does. And so, you know, at, in the immediate aftermath of that, I, um, I met the, the man who's now my, my husband and, and, you know, my life expanded. I started a, a business and, and this is part of, in some ways, the business, 
not in some ways, in every way, the business was part of throwing the baby out with the bath of water. Because what I really wanted to do, once I was experiencing the power of changing my, you know, looking at my belief system, all the things that I was learning, here's the irony, right? All yeah. the things that I was learning with James Arthur Ray were of tremendous benefit. I wouldn't have kept going back if they weren't. Right. And you can't take that away from... That's, and I even find that sometimes challenging to talk about because, be, well, because I'll get shit for it, you know, to be quite, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> you are allowed to swear. No, but I get what you're saying. Cause it's like, if I say that part of it was good, then it somehow means I'm condoning this piece and that, and they're separate for you. Right. Yeah. And so one of the big lessons for me has been like in the healing journey, what, what my objective and I'm going to say my objective because I don't want to force it on anybody else, but just if it, if it makes sense to you, then take it, is that I can't change what happened. I can't change what any single person did or does. I don't have the power or the control over it. And I was given a very, very um, complicated <laughs> um, trauma to, to digest. So instead of trying to change that, the, the goal has become to continually try to expand myself so that I can take it in. And so, you know, there's a, a real, a good metaphor of like the pipe and you've got this thing caught in it and it's making that pipe bigger. And that bigger pipe is your intuition. It's, it is your sense of self. It is realizing that oh yeah, I actually do have an internal yes or no. And some people can describe that as a gut instinct. For others, it's visual or auditory or um, very, very, you know, kind of a glimmery fast thing that disappears. Mm -hmm. And to, to kind of practice on the small things, like, do you want pizza tonight? Yeah. Well, I wanted to go back to that because you mentioned the body. Yeah. And we don't catch these glimmers and these things, especially if we're up here or we've been triggered by something. And I'm so glad you brought up the body and movement and having to find out where that, whatever you want to call it, intuition, spidey sense, where does it live in your body? How do you access that? Because you had a journey of rediscovering and building that muscle, right? So um, if, if you can share with the viewers, like what are some of your self-care tips around that? Um, and I also want to say, um, people, self-care is used a lot. This isn't just about manis and petties. <laughs> like, like, like so I just saw yeah. the eye roll, right? Like, I want to say yeah. that. I, it's good, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's, we, that, this has become part of another big industry is self-care, spa day, right? But there's so, such a deeper piece to caring for your inner self. So I wonder, yeah, if you could speak to a little bit about how to use that body. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So- so actually, I, I used these words the other night um, for the first time, and I, and I may just go out and hashtag it, but... <laughs> I know it's a thing when it's hashtagged. I, I'm totally being sarcastic, <laughs> but not really, um, is, is discerning, just like there's leadership and there's conscious leadership, that there's self-care and there's, there's conscious self-care. So at its, it. at, its, at its core, anything can be self-care. You know, um, taking care, taking care of business can be self-care. Doing your bookkeeping can be self-care, you know, yeah, like paying the bills, <laughs> yeah. 
being, you know, functioning in a way that, that allows you to thrive is a form of self-care. And sometimes that involves some pretty heavy lifting. So, you know, I kind of delineate now between active self-care and passive self-care. So say going, going for a massage, going for a manicure, going for a pedicure. Um, well, manis and pedis, I kind of think of as grooming anyways, but not, you know, not necessarily. <laughs> I like the distinction. You're right. It is grooming, but it can be grooming. self-care too. Yeah. <laughs> but it can't, but if you allow yourself to be fully present for it and not, on your phone or in your email or doing the thing that you do the whole time with the racing mind, then it can absolutely be self-care and, uh, and versus the act of self-care, which isn't necessarily overwhelming yourself with, Oh, I'm now going to run half marathons. That works for me. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to work for you. You have to try. And what you're trying to do all the time is to feel better. And there is something I want to, I do want to circle back around to. I don't think it's this whole inner wisdom, inner guru thing is as simple as trust your gut. Because I think we have to recognize when our circuits are fried. Yeah. Right. So if you're getting gut responses and thoughts through a fried circuit board, then you're, you're you're off. Or a traumatized one too, wouldn't you say? 100%. Because I would imagine there were like going back to what you experienced, there were other members of that community that maybe there was trauma there and you can't see the filter through. And so you are blindly trusting and following and not maybe because like you said, it's the circuits are not right. Well, it was compounded because in that situation, the very thing that we were there doing was we were working on our traumas. Now for me, I, I, when I was unpacking, you know, what my things were that I was working on that week, it, it was all relatively um, typical. I hate to say like there was nothing, or I love to say, I didn't have, you know, and, and yet you go through and you look at them. Oh yeah, were you were you sexually assaulted as a teenager? By yeah, absolutely you were. Like all the, I was, you know, like all these mm-hmm. things. I was unpa- the things that contributed to my eroding so- sense of self before the trauma were very minor compared to the trauma afterwards. And I hope, I hope I'm being clear with that because sometimes it gets, a, it gets murky talking about it, but yeah. that's a perfect example of what trauma does to you. It, for me, it messes with time. It messes with memory. Um, it messes with emotion. And I need to know that I've become very good at setting boundaries. And, and for me, boundaries in my, um, in my self-care programs, boundaries are a huge theme. So I know, let's say, let's say we were doing this interview and this just happened to me recently. I was, I was being interviewed for a, a, a very large media production and they have all the information from what happened 10 years ago. And they've spoken to quite a number of us and they wanted to get into very specifically what my, um, you know, the metaphor was what's in your black bags and, and they wanted to advance the story. 
and I was being a bit porous with them and I, and I gave too much. And then immediately I had a visceral response because now if I go, if I don't hold my boundaries, it comes in like, it, it's so fierce and it's, it edgy the whole bit, but I just, I shut it down in the past. I would have just been nice. Mm. I would have been accommodating. I would have gone through it and I would have felt horrible afterwards having a vulnerability hangover. And in that moment, I could feel it start to happen. And I, I, I walked out. So you I, realized that you had said too much and then you just put a block and said, I'm done. Yeah. I gave, yeah, I, I gave too much pattern. So I know, like, I know my patterns now I gave too much, but I was able to reel it back in. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I mean about practice. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the only way you learn is by engaging with it and, and finding out sometimes the hard way, but I was able to, you know, it wasn't disruptive. I wasn't, Oh, I may have been rude. I have no idea. I don't know how it was received, but you know, I was like, I need a break. I don't, I don't like where this is going. And, and, and then I needed, you know, I just took off the headset went upstairs. We were here in my home, came upstairs into my space, took a couple of breaths, came back down and said, okay, please remind me why we're doing this. Mm. Yeah. Like what's, it's to your point that you brought up before we hit record. It's like not just telling the story for the purpose of sensationalizing it because everybody loves a really, Oh, what happened? Like, what do you mean? And like, you know, they love that gossipy story, but it's actually telling it for a purpose and because it's going to be helpful. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 And that's the thing that, you know, it, it's in men, some ways it would be very easy to, to let it be that sort of dirty big secret of the self-help industry. Cause in sometimes I think that's what it is. Like three people died at a self-help event and, and hardly anybody knows. I mean, it's when you, when you reminded me actually of it, I remembered I remembered hearing of it. And I, I, I guess I really want to know what your experience is now as a professional, not only because you personally went through that, but I mean, our, the reason we both have a love-hate relationship with this industry is because like every industry, there's kind of like, you know, the snake oil salespeople, and then there's the people in the middle, and then there's the genuine do-gooders who probably just do too much and like get burnt out right and so we've got like it's every industry has their doctors have it lawyers have it, we all, everybody has it right but how do you as a professional especially having had a personal experience with something like this and I've, I've got my own story to tell that is not anywhere near as tragic but how do you deal with people that then maybe want to group you into that category or say well well now you're selling the self-help or now you're like, how, I'm curious, how do you as a professional differentiate yourself and deal with that? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not that great at selling it. <laughs> <laughs> the final frontier, right? <laughs> um, so, and I don't want to sell it. Yeah. Right. Like I don't, I don't think that it's something Sellable. that in yeah. my, in my mind, I don't think it's something that should be rammed down people's throats. And I'm going to go with the negative connotation of sales. I spend so much time coaching people out of the negative connotation of sales. Me too. I used to teach sales for coaches. Yeah. 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 Me too. <laughs> so, 
and, uh, and, and also just sort of recognizing it's much more easier to sell a widget than it is to sell yourself, period, end of story. Like that's where all these, these limiting beliefs and your backstory and your shame and your blame and blah, that's where that all comes in, right? So, yeah. and that's why people go to these events. They want to, they want to address the things that are not, that are holding them back. The desire is genuine. The need is genuine. And unfortunately, I, I don't know that there's a lot that can be done to shift the industry. You look at it and, and you look at it, it's, it's not regulated. It's yep. based on a fame model. Like to be successful is to be famous. An influencer. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and yet since the dawn of time, all leadership and survival has been about influence, but now we've made it a thing. Commoditized. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think we have to be very cognizant of when we're going out for inspiration or motiv motivation uh, to delineate. I see motivation as coming from outside. Yeah. So if I were ever to go to, it's tough to see, but it, if I were to go to a Tony Robbins event, actually I have been to a Tony Robbins event. It was horrific. And uh, <laughs> not, not any of his paid ones, but it was this great big thing, downtown Toronto, real estate wealth expo, 15,000 people in a room, you know, touching Tony Robbins, like he was a God. And I was just, I was just like, what is this? This is so much worse than I thought. And, and I was very triggered and I started a podcast because of it. Yeah. Well, right. Like <laughs> it's episode number two was, you know, was about why I felt I needed to start stepping up and having a voice. So I think that until there's regulation, until there's serious, um, like people are working with people's inner minds, like who's to say, like even you or even I, like we can't just throw the mirror out there at them. No, not at all, yeah. Right, so the responsibility at this point is on the consumer. So if we're going to call them the leaders, I'm going to call the consumer in any situation, the followers. And that is increasingly becoming my message. I don't have influence over the, the leaders, you know, maybe one day, but, um, but now my message is when you're in that position of follower, we need to recognize it. We need to not be ashamed of it. We need to understand it's a vulnerability. And even when you think that you are in charge of yourself, there is absolutely no guarantee that the person who is guiding you, leading you, coaching you, mentoring you has your best interest at heart. Or that completely like can know you so well that could like it's the question, question everything, like be a healthy skeptic, like be, have your own voice have your own opinion, right? Because they, you're like you said, they don't know you, they can get to know you, right? For sure. But our job is not to give advice and not to tell people what to do with our lives. And, and you know, it's so funny, I've, I've struggled too, right? To sell myself. And before I had this business, I had another business for eight years that was word of mouth only. I didn't do one stitch of advertising. It was only word of mouth and it was very results oriented. And I'm a results oriented person. You're so totally I, describing my consulting business in the automotive. Yeah. So when I started coaching, which is, of course, it's results-based, but it's very nebulous in the sense that results may vary, literally, like hashtag, right? 
And it was so nebulous to me. And I really, really struggled around that. And I ended up teaching sales because I ended up working for a, a really well-known coach in the industry who was teaching coaches how to sell through service. And that really changed things for me because I realized what I was doing before was providing a service and that yes. service was getting people to talk about me. And so I got away from sales being the dirty word, but I just shared with you before we hit record, you know, however many, what is it like 10 years, eight years in this, in this business, I had a very, like what I would call financially successful, doing really well for herself coach really basically shame me because I wasn't ready to purchase her service without mm -hmm. ever even having experienced her service. And I told her that I said, you know, I've, I don't have an experience of you. I, I don't know what it would be like to even work with you. And you went right in for the sale. And I, 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 I it's a no. And I, I really shared that with her and I got shamed after cause I was self-sabotaging yeah. and I was, and I just want to, for everyone listening, if somebody shames you <laughs> for not buying their service or for not spending the money or what, run, don't walk. Right. Yeah. I yeah. would even take it back, you know, and that's when you're, if you, if you look at the whole process, right, there's, there's sort of in sort of the industry jargon or internet jargon, you know, you've got the top of funnel, which used to just be called a lead. And, yeah. you know, you're engaging with people all the way along. What I, what I am always on the lookout for now is that if, if any of that shows up at any stage of the funnel. So I was at a, an event a couple of years ago where somebody was speaking and she shamed the audience for not standing up and giving her a stand, a standing ovation. I was horrified. Oh my God. I was horrified. Right. That, like not on your feet, not. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, that, that feeling like how shame yeah. occurs for me. It's, it's like this whole icky full body experience. And I was like, oh my God, we're being shamed, but we're not just being shamed. We are being trained. We're being trained. When she speaks, you get on your feet and you clap. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and it can be very subtle, but once you become attuned to it, you can see, oh, there's manipulation happening all the time. Yeah. And that's a game that I, I refuse to, to play. It's a game where what you said about service, right? Like through service, we become known. Through becoming known, we become referred. Through becoming referred, we, we grow mutually beneficial relationships with clients. Yeah. That's the kind of business that I want. I was talking to somebody very, um, very, very, very seasoned in the self-help industry about that once they asked me as I was coming out of my, you know, my stupor, you know, and, and coming back to, to coaching after, cause that's what I wanted. I wanted to become a coach in 2009. That's what I was going to do. Oh my God. And, and this just threw up your whole belief in the everything. Yeah. 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 And so, and I walked away, I stayed in the consulting, my husband and I opened a gym. Um, we, you know, many, many detours. And, uh, and so when I came back to it, I was like, I have to come back to it very intentionally. And that we combined it with a move back to Toronto. So I had, you know, no network to build. And I have tried to show up in a way that is consistent that people can rely on and, uh, and to, show who I am because I think when you're in that type, cause I'm not 
I'm not working with rooms of hundreds of people. I don't even know if I ever want that for myself. Mm -hmm. I told that person that what I would like to have is, is a coaching business, a practice where I serve people who authentically want to do some good in the world and who, you know, who, who show up. Yeah. And you know what they said to me? Good luck with that. Wow. I, I'm, I mean, I'm hearing you say that going, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Like they said, good luck with that because why? Because. Because I think that the trust isn't there. Like when I see manipulation and tactics, to me, that implies that the person using them at the front of the room or on the stage or however it occurs on the podcast doesn't trust the intelligence and the sensitivity and, uh, and the compassion of their, their market, of the people who they want to reach. Yeah. That they have to somehow tactic them into it. Well said. Well said. Yep. And what I'm hoping... And I am hopeful. I think people are getting tired of the BS. Well, people's bullshit meters are way high now. They're yeah. way high. Hopefully they need to get higher, but. They need to get higher, but we've also been shown on a very global stage what failed narcissistic leadership looks like. Because, you know, not that I'm calling anyone a narcissist. That's, that's not it. But, but there, are, there are two schools like of leaders and there's a continuum and we're constantly going back and forth on it and we live in a society that's trying to train us into being narcissists yeah you know whether it's through the selfies and what we have to do like when i started my coaching practice and you must relate to this having had a referral only business where i, I worked with you know i primarily men because of the industry all say 10 to 12 years older than me very professional very you know, very sincere, authentic people. Um, and, and then suddenly it's all about how you look on Instagram. Yeah. Right. Like we are, we are being groomed to, and it's not even what we're uh, like, what we're about and why we got into right. it. But if you're not an influencer now and you're not, if you don't have, it's, it's, it's like almost as though your voice doesn't matter. If your Instagram is not pretty and you don't have enough followers and you haven't gone a viral video, then what we're taught like is that our voice doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we're here to, we're here. And, and again, I don't suffer from any illusion that, that I on my own can change it on the big scale. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's, I do think that they're outstanding um, examples of authentic leadership out there. And, and sometimes I'm a little surprised because, you know, some of the circles I move in, I get to meet some, some people who are fairly connected and, and you hear stories about others who are very, have very high profiles and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Now I'm going to move away because yeah, the thing we need to remember is that they're all human. We are all fallible. We all have our hangups. We all have our challenges. And on the broad end of the, on, on one end of the spectrum, there is a, a, a certain persona, personality type that gravitates towards fame and dominance and ruling the world. And they're not good for us. Yeah. What has your um, journey taught you about the psyche, the human psyche that 
gravitates toward this wisdom outside of themselves. So for example, the people that may have been in your community that, I don't know, maybe they weren't as higher functioning going in and there was a, a, more trauma ruling than there was and, and they got sucked in somehow or how, how has that informed you about the human psyche in that sense? Yeah, it's, that one's tough. I don't, I don't want to ascribe characteristics to, to others. I just, I just want to say generally, you know, when we need to be aware of that many people are in the self-help circles because they've tried everything else. They've tried, and even myself, right? Like I had had plenty of therapy. I'd been on antidepressants and I really bristle when I'm characterized as this vulnerable woman who, you know, who was all messed up. And then this thing happened to, because that's not how it felt or occurred to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that's almost scary about coming to any level of, of real scale is that you can't know everybody who's in the room when there's hundreds of people there. Yeah, you can. And, uh, and I've heard it and I know on that his, uh, documercial Tony Robbins talks about having um wait know, stop he, we have to go back to that <laughs> the documercial <laughs> sorry okay I, I love that, that with never my outside that. Voice. what's that <laughs> I said that with my outside voice that might be I've never voice. heard that term and I absolutely love it because I I mean I drive drank the Tony Robbins delayed when I was 18 and he was on tv still so I, I absolutely love that but anyways continue <laughs> yeah so I can't remember what I was saying now. Um, yeah. So the many people and the psyche and you don't know. Who's oh, yeah. Yeah. And you have For a me, it's been, yeah. You know what? I think what we need to do is we need to, I don't want to, you know, get in. And I know you're not suggesting this, but I don't want to victim blame. The people in the room are there because they're looking for help. They're open. They're vulnerable. They're trusting. Period. Yeah. End of story. Responsibility is on the leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, so that for an emerging leader needs to be kept in the room. And, and I think that the whole business model, quite frankly, is royally messed up. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what the viable self-help business of the future looks like, you know, when you, when there's no volunteers, right. To me, if there's volunteers in a business, then it's gotta be a cause or it's a church. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of flaws and I think every single day there's people who are looking for support and I would never want to discourage anyone from having a personal growth journey. Absolutely um, not. No. And yeah. you know what, I, what I meant by that question or what I was kind of, it's more of a, it's, it's almost like when I have this, like things happen and you wonder within yourself, like, what was going on with me or what goes on in the mind of, of some, whether it's the leader or the follower or the whatever. And, and it's just interesting to me because I have fallen like we all have into this psyche and mindset of something outside of me needs to save me. And, and, and that was more the interest of like, Mm. you know, because, because you are leading people to find their inner guru and you have a beautiful, uh, self-help program, which we're going to talk about self-help, <laughs> self-care, which is also self-help <laughs> program, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. So yeah, it was more my curiosity around, around that, right? It's like, yeah, where do we so do that here's as something humans? I can offer. Yeah. It, it's giving me a, a moment to, 
when you walk into a room like that and somebody is on the stage and they are telling their story and let's not fool anyone. They're telling their story to persuade. Just like when I used to teach English, I had to persuade teenagers that it was going to be all right to do Macbeth right? Like you want to talk about selling something. I was selling yep. hard, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we, <laughs> so, you know, so, but what you're seeing is, is it's, it's all a projection, right? So, and, and I know that what I have, it's sticky for me, the, uh, the mirror metaphor, but, but really the, the world is, is, you're projecting out onto your world all the time. Your world is projecting back onto you. This is one of the reasons why cleaning up and curating your environments is so powerful because you can inundate yourself with positive. Yep. Not just affirmation, but as like in the terms of the conscious self-care of being conscious about what you have around you in, in people and in things and places and in, in thoughts and so forth. But you walk into a room like that and whatever you're seeing in that leader that you find attractive is actually something that's in you. Yeah. It may be real. It's definitely on display, but whether or not it goes beneath the surface or all the way to the core at this point for me is almost immaterial. What I'm more interested in is what is it showing me about myself? That's so powerful. So yeah. when I, when I walked into a room and James Arthur Ray was there and he was throw, putting on these, incredible events and the the dynamic speaker the, the the ability to move energy in the room the the everything that i saw was was also me yeah that and is the point it is the point and yeah. and it's it's the good and the bad so part of my inquiry over the course of the last decade has also been okay well there was that other piece and reconciling how did that other what did that other piece say to me, what did I need to learn about it? And the irony of ironies is recently doing a, a whole bunch of interviews about it is that um, I was I was learning about that in his environment. Yeah. So for me, it's about continually being on the learning journey, but also the empowerment journey. And and it's time to go deeper than spirituality 101. Yeah. Deeper than that. And, and, and doing whatever it takes to get there. You beautiful, you beautiful answer. I had, again, I referenced it earlier, like not um, as tragic um, or maybe as traumatic, but I, many, many gajillion years ago, I went to work for uh, a mentor of mine and really had my bubble burst with the behind the scenes narcissism and toxicity and just horrible work environment. And I too wanted to throw the baby out with the bathwater because I, I had looked up to this person and I learned about pedestaling people. And I, and I really, because my philosophy has always been about the mirror as well. And I had to look at everything that I admired about her was in me, but also I had to look at all those areas that I was judging and afraid of and were triggering me I had to look at where's my little inner narcissist running around and where's my little toxic person. And it is the way of taking what I would call radical responsibility, right? Um, and not pointing the finger and not blaming either victim or perpetrator or anyone, but really just saying, 
this was my experience and this is how I can care for, you know, myself and my psyche in that. And I just, I'm always so fascinated by how we, and I include myself in this, get ourselves into jams or into situations that are ultimate beautiful learnings. Um, but yeah, but that can yeah. be really difficult. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, you know, forever, it will always be very challenging to reconcile. Um, you know, even going back to the, when I was on, uh, when they had me on CNN on Brooke Baldwin, I watched it recently, hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And uh, she asked me like, you know, was it worth it? And my answer to her was, I will never be able to say that any of it was with worth a loss of life yeah in the context of of that journey there's just there's just it it isn't worth that and um but 10 years later i'm able to work my way around to some semblance of or my own version of gratitude for the experience for the people that it's brought into my life for um the being sort of pushed to my limit of holy smokes like i have to i have to do better than just getting myself out of bed you know and i never in my life anticipated being pushed or stretched to that level i don't wish it on anyone um there's nothing worse than feeling like you are somehow responsible for injury to another at least for me and um you know so it it starts to become about what can i do with that and the experience to contribute in the world and for me the people who i am interested in paying attention to and choosing to learn from these days it's a very very small small list and it has to be contribution because that contribution, value, service, and, and not tactics, taking, and manipulation. It's the longer path, but it's the authentic path. And, and then there's a huge exercise in trust. Yeah. You know, in trust in not feeling like, because um, I know how to do all the stuff. I know how to do it. That's why I can spot it so easily. Oh come yeah. Up through, come up through old school sales and, and it's, it's all there, but we need to serve and realize that this inner work of becoming more self-aware, that is one of the major skills of the future. It is, it's, it's one of the only things that um, technology won't be able to do. Yeah. And it doesn't, and, and I want to add to that too, like it doesn't matter, you know, because we talked about changing the self-help industry and hopefully that happens one day, but it's like, it doesn't matter who's selling the thing or who the guru is, that journey to self-awareness and radical responsibility and, you know, owning your own inner guru, right? Yeah. It's, it's a self-journey and it can only, no one's going to give that to you. No one can magically, if you pay for a ticket for something, even my clients that come to work with me, like I, I will get, I will have things come up in the course of us talking. And I'm like, do not take my word for this. Like go and fix, you know, cause I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to be responsible, but also I don't want you to be codependent either. I want you to learn this and like fly, fly away. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and the other thing that maybe we can leave people with is that there is no cookie cutter shortcut here. Or bullet. Yep. There isn't. And, and yet I know if I pick up my phone and start scrolling within 30 seconds, I'm going to be promised one or less. <laughs> Right. Well, less for us because we are in the self-help, like in the jam. Yeah. In, we're in the jam. So we're, <laughs> so Facebook, Instagram, they, they know what to put in front of us, but um, there is no cookie cutter. This is a life that's meant to be experienced. We're not supposed to just have it spoon fed to us by some man or woman on a stage or some screen. We're meant to be out there experiencing life finding our own boundaries and, and expanding them and, uh, and stuff happens. Mm -hmm. I don't expect that this is the last, it's not the last loss or tragedy in my life. Hopefully it's the biggest one to digest, but I'm grateful for the experience and the trust that I have that no matter what, I will find a way and I will find the people who will help me. I didn't yeah. do it on my own. I think that's the other, the other big nugget is my, yeah, we, I don't think we can do life on our own. And no. so we can't do it in a vacuum. We can't do the work in a vacuum. We can't just even have experience in a vacuum. And you reminded me of something it was probably one of the most powerful pieces of coaching I've ever received from a coach who also um, happened to be a friend. And she said, um, this was during a really difficult period of my life. She said, no one's coming to save you no one's coming to save you. And at the time, you know, I got angry for her suggesting that I was waiting for someone to save me. And then I had the like, oh shit, fuck, I am doing that. And then I had the whole like, you know, and it's, but it was the most powerful thing because we do. And I, I am speaking to this, not because I want to put myself up here and you people, I've done this like so many times, like you're looking yeah. for that person or that thing outside of you. And that was the single most empowering thing is that no one's here to save you. Yeah. No one's coming. No. Know? And, and one more, we're obviously going to need to do this again and you're yeah. going to come on my podcast and we'll, we'll pick it up. We'll keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a footnote before listening to this one, go listen to that one. Um, I think there's also something inherently valuable in, in making sure that when you do choose to work with a coach, cause you can't coach yourself just like you can't therapy yourself. You can help yourself. You can go yeah. introspecting and reflecting and journaling and oh my gosh, it's so powerful. But, um, but the, the dynamic of, of coaching is that there are two minds. There's a mind away from you, an impartial- A witness. A witness and a cheerleader and somebody who has got your back, but who's also gonna be brutally truthful with you. And, uh, and I think there's a danger in almost up-leveling too much. When someone gets to any semblance of, of fame and success, and I've seen this in all businesses, it's very easy for them to forget where you are if they're mm -hmm. so, far, so far down the road. So I don't think, say in my particular instance, I don't think that um, it was James. I don't know that he could relate to us anymore. Interesting. Right? Like, I don't know that. I don't know that it was possible. 
just like if I suddenly ended up somehow, some way in Oprah's, you know, living room, I don't know that she could relate to what life is like for the regular woman. Anymore, because she's not Anymore. there. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when some, when we look, when we have this guru, guru model, I, I think it's inherently flawed. And, and that's why getting in touch with your own wisdom and, and realizing that one, many voices, one voice, one source is, is going to be biased. And, and we need to take our inputs from all around us, put it together and, and find what works for us. And that's a beautiful segue because you have, you know, created something that I think um, is going to help people really tune into that. So before we wrap, because I know you have a gift and we're going to have the link in the show notes and on the website, but before we wrap, can you tell a little bit about your offering? Because, and I don't normally, I just want to also say for people listening and watching I don't do this on the show. Like I don't. And if you've been, if you've been listening for four years, I don't like I tell people to go to the website or grab the book. If I loved it, if it was a mediocre book, I maybe don't say anything, but like, I don't do that. And the purpose, I don't have sponsors and I don't like, I don't, this, I don't do this show to promote things, but I personally have been really touched by the, this much that I've known you oh. and your story and what you've gone through and what you're offering that I'm saying, can you please share with us your offer? Cause then, and so for people that are new watching that just watch this whole thing and that are like, Oh fuck now she's going to sell something. You know, that's not yeah. what this is about. <laughs> I don't do that. You know, well, if you're still listening, thank you. We've been yeah. on here for a while. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, this might have to be a part one and a part two, but, yeah. but, but I want people to know that, right. Because I don't do this. And if you, like I said, it's almost four years of the show and, and you, if you've been listening, you know that I don't do this. So I wanted to give that disclaimer because it's really, oh, so. gosh, I'm so honored. Thank you. Um, so, so it's part of, if it's not been clear to this point, that's on me, but, but self-care <laughs> was a huge part of my journey. And, uh, and it, it's always been who I was, uh, even, you know, before, before it came from vanity. Now it comes from, you know, healing and survival and, and finding the, the light in life. But what happened was, I, once I got out talking about this journey, I started to hear myself and realize how much I was talking about self-care. And, uh, and it was a little bit before hashtag self-care, but, but, <laughs> but you know, not, it was really integral that I give myself the space to heal and grow. And there's certain things that work for me. So a couple of summers ago, I was completely burnt out, had moved back to Toronto, was here for a couple of years, was out there trying to, you know, to build the business and just always, always putting stuff out. And I was like, oh man, I'm done. I'm going to give myself a summer of self-care. And I tapped out. I tapped <laughs> out from social. I tapped out from this and that. I tapped out and I found some, and, and I put myself unknowingly through a process of retrieving myself yet again. Mm. And by the end of that eight, 10 week summer, I was like, I was transformed. I felt like a whole different person for having given myself that permission. So then the winter came. I was like, oh, I'm going to do it again. And uh, the universe gifted me with a massive case of vertigo. And I was like, holy smoke. 
<laughs> like you I did you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. But I was like, I've been saying for years, I need to get back to, to yoga. So I went back to yoga. I made self-care a huge, even more regimented priority. So then I started taking people on this self-care journey with me in a really small format and came up with the winter of self-care, which is running right now, and the summer of self-care. Nice. And, uh, and it's like eight or 10 weeks, whatever I decide, Friday mornings, because it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's bringing people through this process. And it can be whatever you want it to be. That's, that's the beauty of it. And um, I'm very, very cognizant of this is not about creating a never-ending to-do list. This is about digging, going deeper, and deciding what is, do I need in my life right now? And then having some community and accountability and guidance along the way. Yeah, that's what I loved about it because we do hear this hashtag floating around for a lot of years now and it's become very marketable and self-care but a lot of people are just like well what does that even mean like i don't even know what that looks like and and how do i even do it and because we're so trained to not do it um i think having the accountability although it's not mm -hmm. you know the taskmaster mm -hmm. but having that community and having a guide through it is, is just really important so thank you and like i said oh my pleasure link for anyone that's listening that's interested. Yeah. Um, and you know what? There's yeah. Giovanna, I should I I should have said too. There's a there's a free version of it available as well. It's called the Free Your Inner Guru Guidebook. So that's I'll the link that we have. Yes. 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 So that's what I'll provide. And for anyone who's listening and driving and wants to put something into action right away, here's the question. The question for me is always, what is the kindest and most compassionate thing I can do for my fill in the blank right now. So whether that's myself, my business, my relationship, my son, my dog, what's the kindest and most compassionate thing that I can do? And then move forward on that. That's, that is the inner wisdom lies somewhere within kindness and compassion. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect ending uh, to this podcast. Um, and video cast. And I just want to thank you again for being here, for, for friending me, for Joe, who introduced us. Joe, if you're out there, so happy. we're going to, we're going to hashtag dedicate this episode to you. Um, yeah. And I just, it's, it's funny. So, so the, the, the comic in me wants to say, um, this edition of the ugly side of self-help has been brought to you by <laughs> <laughs> she rises and she rises. your inner guru. Hey, there we go. But you know, I hope for people listening that this didn't jade you further, but it rather enlightened you. And, and the people that want to help you the most are the people that put you in the power seat. If anyone is reversing the power seat, run, don't walk. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Amen. All right. Thanks, girl. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 